Amen. Well, it's always a privilege and, and an honor to uh, to share the word of God with 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 the, with with you, church, and uh, it's a it's a great privilege. Um, I'm always uh, I'm not nervous coming into it, but on the day of and really at the right right at the time of, um, I, I begin to start shaking in my in my boots, and uh, but trying not to show it right. And it hasn't changed. It's been that way, and, and I don't know how long it's going to be that way. But if uh, you can go to Romans, we're going to be in the book of Romans. And as you can see, uh, we're going to be talking about Jesus Christ, our justification. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it makes sense to me. And so I'm not good with titles, but uh, that's the title to tonight. And so we're going to be in Romans chapter 3. And uh, we're going to pick up in verse number 19. And uh, we're going to read uh, uh, chapter 3 and uh, verses 19 through 24. It says there, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So as I mentioned, uh, we're, we're, we're going to be talking about the, just, the subject of justification. And how many of you here tonight know what the word justification means? It's a word that we use on a daily basis, right? We use it. Every day when we're out and about? No, we don't. We don't use it. <laughs> Maybe not, n never. Right? So how many of you, how many of you said you knew? I've I seen hands go up, but they were like really quick. Okay, Mr. Ned and Brother John and Brother Gary, Miss Sandra. Okay, that's good. And, and as, uh, I was figuring that uh, most of you probably didn't know what the term justification means. Well, it means to, to render just or innocent. And, and, and the way, the reason why it's so important to us is because the Bible says that we're guilty, and we're going to be looking at that here in a minute. And, and the Bible says that we're guilty, and that one day uh, all men will stand before God. And so God has a provided a way for us that, that uh, he, he justifies us in a way, and, and He has revealed that way of justification in his word in, in this scripture here that we're going to be looking at today. But before we can really understand what justification means and, and what it means to us, uh, we, we have to understand uh, what our condition is. And, and, and we have to understand that, that we cannot save ourselves and, and that, uh, that our condition is a, is a condition that, that cannot uh, be, uh, in a sense, fixed 
unless God intervenes and God has intervened. And so uh, for us to know our condition, we have to understand, well, God gives us the law, right? If I were to ask you, what is the purpose purpose of the law, what would your, your answer be? If we go around asking people, uh, uh, what is the purpose of the law? Uh, the average person I've come to learn uh, will say that the law uh, teaches us how to get right with God. I mean, even this this yesterday when me and my wife went out, I spoke to a gentleman and and I asked him, I said, uh, how do you how how do you see yourself right with God? And he he said he was right with God because he didn't break any of the commandments, at least not the hard ones, at least not the 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 bad ones. (laughs) And so he saw himself, as I said, from a scale to one to five. Where do you see yourself? And he said, I see myself as an eight. I don't know if he said it accidentally. But I said, well, I just I was saying five being, you know, the highest. And I, you went higher than five. <laughs> well, but ten commandments, so that means eight. He didn't, he didn't do two of them. <laughs> well, <laughs> but so <laughs> I didn't see it that way. I thought he was rating himself really high. So, but uh, for most people. You know, they believe that, that uh, the keeping of the law will in some way get them right with God. I mean, in, in the eyes of many. And, and I would say, my opinion is that it's part of human nature, right? We, we do something wrong, and, and what do we try to do? We, we, try to, we try to fix it by doing something good, right? As if we try to justify it as if we never did it, right? We try to, try to make it right. And, and, and the Jew, uh, and, and Paul, he's really dealing with the Jew here. He's dealing with the Gentile. He, he, he's, he's really got an attack on the Jews if you read chapter 2 and, and, and going down. But he's, he's dealing with the Jew. And, and, he, and, and the Jew had that idea. They had that idea that they could somehow be self-righteous and, and they trusted. They had confidence in the law. And Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse number 3, if you want to go there, Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse number 3. It says there, and Paul's speaking about his people, about the Jews. And he says in verse number 3, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. In, in, in verse number five, for Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law. So Paul uh, called them ignorant. And I don't believe he meant it in a bad way. He meant it in a way that they, they just lacked the understanding of, of God's righteousness and what God had provided for them through Jesus Christ. And, 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 and most people are that way. They don't really understand what God has done. For us in Christ. And they go about seeking their own righteousness, which is by the law, right? They try to justify themselves. How many people do you know like that? 
I mean, they're everywhere. We can walk out this building and we're going to, we talk to people. You get to talking to them long enough, they're going to get to that. Well, I'm not a bad person, right? I, I'm, not, I'm not that bad. But the law wasn't intended to reveal the good in us, but rather to show us our condition that we are hopeless and in need of a savior. Look at verse number 19 with me, and, and, uh, and uh, I guess there's my point, right? The purpose of the law. And Paul's going to reveal this here to us. He says, now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. So the things written in the law are for those, Paul says, who are under the law. He says those who are obligated to keep the law. Some may say, well, uh, the Jew is under the law or, or uh, those religious people are under the, under the law. But Paul goes on to say that every mouth may be stopped. And all the world may become guilty before God so that every mouth will be stopped. And I thought about that for a little bit. So that every mouth would be stopped. And the idea is there that that every mouth will be shut and there will be no argument. No argument will be made on on their behalf. No defense. It will be an open and shut case. Can you imagine, uh, I don't know if any of you have ever been in a courtroom, but it's a very intimidating place to be, especially when you're the defendant. <laughs> and and it's, a, it's a horrible place to be, but, but the reason you go to, to court, the reason that you go to trial is because if you're being accused of an accusation, what are you trying to do? You're trying to, to plead yourself innocent, right? You're trying to bring that evidence that, that helps your case. It would be, uh, it would be, it would not be wise, if I can say it that way, it would not be wise to go before a judge with no argument. But here, the Bible says that there's only one verdict and that there will be no, ver- there will be no argument. There's only one verdict, and and that is guilty. When you stand there before the judge of all judges, or those who are lost, the Bible says that their mouth will be shut. They're not going to have a defense. Paul goes on to say in verse number 20 of our text, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall be no flesh, shall no flesh be justified in his, in his sight. There before God, no flesh will be justified. All flesh will be guilty. And when he says flesh, he's, he's talking about our flesh. He's talking about a human, about a, a man or a woman. Now one person will be declared innocent by the works of the law. 
in the sight of God. So you think of all the, all, all the world's religion. All the world's religion that trusts in some type of work. And then he says, For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The purpose of the law is not that we, so that we could be justified by it. The purpose of the law uh, was to reveal our sin, to reveal our, our condition, to reveal our guilt before God. That's the purpose of the law. But the world has a different idea about that. But Paul says it very clearly here. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. It is by the law that we know what sin is. The law exposes our condition. John Phillips, a, a commentator uh, that I use, uh, 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 brother, uh, brother Wayne knows him personally. He was, he, I believe he was a pastor at one time. Uh, brother Wayne was here. He, he, would, he could tell you more about him. I don't know much about him. But he says this about the law. The law soon exposes human conduct. Man is convicted and his conviction of sin stems from the violation of God's law. So there's conviction of sin by the law of God. The law exposes our condition and by it we are condemned. The scripture tells us that there's a penalty for sin. And that's where the problem lies. Alright, there's a penalty for sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 verse 23. Many of you are familiar with this. For the wages of sin... Is death. And what does that speak to? I'm not asking a rhetorical question. I'm asking a question. We deserve for our sins eternal separation from God. Yes. We deserve for our sins eternal separation from God. Yes. Why? Because we're guilty, right? But what does it say? What, what does the death mean? Death is talking about a, a physical death, death and a spiritual death <laughs> as well. And, and the penalty must be paid, either by you or by some other means that God has provided. Right? It's either going to be by the lost person or the means that God has provided for us. The means that God has uh, provided for us to justify the believer. So there's a physical death, but there's also a spiritual death. On the spiritual side, we know that it's going to cost to pay for sins eternity. It will cost you eternity in hell, forever separated from God. And we know that. Man cannot save himself. He does not possess the ability to save himself. God had uh, to intervene. Man's good works will get him nowhere. The Bible says, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified. But the good news is that God has provided a way of justification. A way to, to plead us innocent before him or, or, or count us or render us innocent, just in his sight. It is His way, and it is the only way 
for anyone to be justified. So we see on the next, uh, the next point here. I, I had some more little points here, but I'm not going to write them all. And plus, I'm horrible at writing on this thing. What do we call this, a blackboard or a whiteboard? Okay. God's way of justification. What we need to understand is that God will not and cannot lower his standards. If God is going to justify man, it has to be uh, in, in a way uh, of, that does not violate his righteous demands, which we hear clearly in his law. Therefore, God sent his perfect son, his sinless son, without fault to pay for the sins of men. That Jesus Christ, being perfect, would be the righteousness of God for us, for the believer. The Bible says there in Romans chapter 21, Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest. To, to better understand what, what Paul is talking about here, uh, Paul mentions this in uh, the beginning of the letter here in, in Romans chapter 1. If you want to go to Romans chapter 1 so that we can have a better understanding about what, about what Paul is talking about here when he says the righteousness of God. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse number uh, 16, he says this. We're going to pick up in verse number 16 and read uh, to 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So Paul tells us that the righteousness of God is in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it has the power to save. It is the gospel of Christ that the righteousness of God in which the righteousness of God is revealed. The word there revealed, it, it, it means to uncover. To uncover or to take off the cover. So what happens when you take the cover off of something? It's pretty obvious, right? You expose it, right? You reveal it. It is exposed. It is no longer hidden. Paul said, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. And so what does it mean without the law is manifested? I had to chew on that for a little while as well. So God's talking about the law, and now he's bringing forth the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God is without the law. 
God's righteousness is without the, the work of the law. You cannot earn God's righteousness. It is without the law and has been manifested. It has been made visible. That's what that word manifested means. It, it's been made visible. We can't earn God's righteousness. It's without the law. And then it says, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. That's another thing I had to think about. So God's righteousness is without the law, but then it is witnessed by the law and the prophets. So when we talk about the law and the prophets, and again, this is not a rhetorical question, what are we talking about uh, when the Bible talks about the law and the prophets? Anybody? The The Mosaic law. Right, what they say about the righteousness of God, right? So we could understand it as the Old Testament, the, the Mosaic Law, and, and the prophets, the rest of the books in the Old Testament. And so he says that these are the witness to the righteousness of God. And they testify of God's righteousness. In Luke chapter 24, verse number 44. If you want to go there for, with me real, real quick. Luke chapter 24. Jesus had a lot to say about this. It says there in verse number 44. And he said unto them, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking here, and he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So those things that were written in the law and the prophets, there were those things that were concerning Christ. In John chapter 1, verse 45, it says there, Philip findeth Nathanael, uh, John chapter 1, verse 45. It says, Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So again, we see that the law and the prophets speak about and testify that are a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 5, verse 39. He says, search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. The law and the prophets testify about Christ. And that's what the Bible is about. When, when, when you get to the root of it, the heart of the Bible is Christ. He is the center and the focus of the Bible. 
and those prophets in, in, in the law, they all spoke of Christ and the coming of, the, of that righteousness that we, the believer, would one day be justified by. The difference between Christianity and, and the world's religion is that Christianity entirely depends on Christ. In, in contrast, the world's religions seek their own righteousness, and as the Jew have not submitted themselves to God's will and trusting Christ. They reject the gift of salvation through Christ and tried to establish or try to establish their own righteousness, which is by the law. Nevertheless, God's way of justification is in Christ. And we must be, he must be received by faith. The very next verse tells us in our text, uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 22. It says, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Since we can't save ourselves, the Jew can't save him sh- himself. Remember, the Jew saw himself as God's, and they were God's people, but they saw themselves as righteous. But there's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile, us. God has provided his way of righteousness through faith in Christ as we just read. But salvation is not only for the Jew, but for all who will put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, for there is no difference. The Bible says in Romans uh, chapter 3, verse 23, the very next verse. What does it say? You know this verse? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Jew and the Gentile in the same. We're, we're, we're in the same boat. And none of us can justify our, ourselves. Not one person on this earth planet is innocent. All are guilty before God as we sing. The purpose of the law is to shut the mouth of those who believe themselves to be righteous. Every one of us is guilty before God, helpless without the mercy and the grace of God. Without the mercy and the grace of God. Aren't you just thankful for God's grace? After studying this, it really opened my eyes to, to really just focus on God's grace and, and knowing that that there is, we're hopeless without Him. There, there is no hope without Him in, in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I want to spend a little time here in verse number 24. Because it says they're being justified freely by His grace. As I mentioned before, what does it mean to be justified? 
just as if we've never sinned, to be rendered just or innocent in His sight. God alone can justify the guilty. And the word grace, or the word freely, what does the word freely mean? There's not a little fine print there. Freely means free. Doesn't cost you anything. Doesn't cost us anything. It's free. There's nothing that we have to provide on our behalf. It is freely offered to all. The gift. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our, our Lord. And we see that He is God's righteousness. He is all righteousness before God. There's nothing that we can do to earn His righteousness or, or God's justification uh, for us. There's nothing that we can do and, and, and there's nothing that we've done on our behalf to deserve it. It is only by the grace of God. How many of you know what the word grace means? Because that's another important word for the Christian, right? For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. How many of you know what the word grace means? Young people, you should know. Youth. Youth, you remember? Any one of you? To what? To get something unmerited. Unmerited, unmerited favor. To get something that you don't deserve. You don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. It is by His grace. Grace is giving something or doing something for someone that they didn't deserve it. How many times have you been graceful? When was the last time you were graceful? It's hard, right? Why? Because we want to give people what they deserve. Because why? Because they deserve it. But when it comes to us, no, 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 please, 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 please. Please, grace, grace. Although it didn't cost us anything, it cost God everything to save us from our sins. The penalty of sin had to be paid in full, and God did that through the redemption or the deliverance that is in Jesus Christ. It says there, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is uh, in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, the one that knew no sin, became sin. Go to with me to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5.
2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to pick up in verse number 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Paul goes on to say there in, in that passage, and it's one of my uh, passages that I like to go to uh, a lot. It reminds me of, of who we are, of who I am in Christ. There in verse 17 of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it tells us, there, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But it also tells us that we have been given this ministry of reconciliation. That we are uh, ambassadors for Christ. And there is a message uh, that we have, and it is the only message uh, by which men can be saved. And a lot of the times, uh, we're quiet. A lot of the times we're, we're afraid uh, to witness and share the gospel and, and, and the gospel is the only way that anyone can be saved. And, and, when I'm, and when we're out there, I have to remind myself constantly that God has, has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He, he's entrusted us that... that being a new creature doesn't just mean that, that, you, that, that you're different. But it also goes with the fact that there's a duty for you. There's something that you're being held accountable for. And it is the, the precious gospel of Jesus Christ. We're accountable for that, church. Every one of us in this room. We're accountable for the gospel and what we do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we're ambassadors. What does an ambassador do? Represents. What does he represent? Well, what about our ambassadors of the United States? What do they do? They go to China and give China everything? or What do they do? They don't. They, an ambassador is not supposed to give his opinion, right? An ambassador is sent to represent. We're ambassadors. We're here to represent Christ. We don't get to throw in our two cents. It's what he said. It's what his word says. And has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. 
bringing men to Christ, reconciling that which was broken, that which was lost. We are being reconciled to God, not God to us. That's our ministry. And we need to get off of ourselves. And I have to remind myself daily. I know it's hard. But I serve a king. Amen. And he's worthy. And the world's not going to shut me up. I'm an ambassador. Church, you are ambassadors. We've been called to serve him. Jesus Christ paid it all. He became sin so that we could be delivered from the wrath of God that we deserve. Rightfully. But he's justified us. When we stand before his throne, we can stand there boldly with confidence, knowing that we're right with God because of Christ. Salvation is complete faith in Christ. When you come to Christ, you have to throw away all your works, all your good works, Everything must go completely. Complete dependence on Christ and Christ alone. It is because of Christ that, that we are justified. And, and that was the title, Jesus Christ, our justification. Because of Christ. I don't know everybody's condition in here. I don't know you for the most part. All of us, I believe, have made a profession of faith. But real quick, I want to share something with you. If you're going to come to Christ, number one, you have to understand that you're a sinner. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God calls us not only to uh, recognize our sin, but he calls us to turn away from our sin. He calls us to repent from our sin. In Acts chapter 17, verse number 30, it says, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now, and it is a command, commandeth all men everywhere to repent. He calls us to turn away from our sin. He commands us. And then there is the calling out to God to save you. Romans chapter 10, verse number 9. You guys can write these down and maybe you can help someone lead someone to the Lord. Romans chapter 10, verse number 9. 
It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart men believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And when you cry out to God, when you've repented of your sins, when you've acknowledged that you're a sinner, trust in Christ completely. Completely. Let all your good works go. What you believe about yourself to be right. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Verse 20. Verse 28. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He said and I will give you rest. He's talking about that work. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lonely in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Completely surrendering to Christ. And he calls all men. The Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. And that is in the precious name of Christ. Christ is the justifier. That's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening and thank you for your time. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray that you come to that place where you understand your need of Christ. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. Lord, thanking you for your amazing love and your grace. Thanking you for that precious sacrifice for us. Lord, I pray that We can honor you with everything that we are. Lord, you've entrusted us with the gospel. And you've said that we are to take it to the ends of the earth. And Lord, you said that you would never leave us nor forsake us. No matter what the things look like in this world, no matter how hard the hearts of our communities are, you are God. And Lord, you would not call us to do something that is impossible. You call us to do it because it is possible. And you have given us the victory. And you have commanded us. We are your ambassadors. Help us to be faithful. Lord, teach us to to be bold. And to always trust in you. And to give you the praise and give you the glory. Help us as we go out through the week, Lord, and and help our church. May we continue to be that light in this community.